Welcome, Welcome to Art with <laughs> Fiona Verity. Say it again. Fiona? No. Fiona Verity. And Julie Nicholson. I'm ready. Good man. Bless you, Tom. Good. Right, we're on. Okay, we're on. We're recording. Okay. Um, well, thank you, firstly, for having us. Very kind of you. Um, so on Wikipedia, it says, Kenneth Stephen Doan... AM, it's like this is your life, Ken, is an Australian artist best known for his design work, although his simple, brightly coloured images of Australian landmarks have adorned a very popular range of clothing and homewares sold under the Doan design brand. Doan's primary interest is in being a painter. Would you agree with this summation? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. It's correct because the first things that people saw of mine were pieces of design. Yeah. And they were deliberately... Um, set out to understand a particular audience. That's what design is. That's not to say that design isn't an integral part of painting. Of course it is. But I think for most people, it's easier for them to understand that if you're designing something, you know who your audience is, you want it to work, and it's accountable. Mm. You can work out... Did you sell a lot of that? Mm. Yes. Whether you've got a little stall in a market or whether you've got a lot of shops. Mm. So design for me is trying to find a solution to a given problem. Whereas painting, well, I don't know where it's going because I only have to please myself. Yeah. There are certain themes that I continue to be interested in. But that's why this latest book is called Art, Design and Life. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I suppose painting's like the freedom um, for you. Well, it always has yeah. been. Uh, I, don't, I don't ever do commissions, for instance, because it's hard enough for me to work out what's in my head, let alone working out what's in somebody else's. I mean, I have done some paintings where a subject, like I did a whole series of paintings of the attack on Sydney Harbour by Japanese submarines, which I wanted to do. Uh, I, I, I was, and it took me down some different tracks. But most of the time, I like to make paintings that give people pleasure. Yeah, definitely. Your paintings are very happy, mm. I think. Well, most of them are. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm 80, which yeah. means I've had lots of ups and downs in my life. I've been involved with UNICEF for a long time, so I've been to lots of refugee camps. I've seen things that you don't want to see, Mm. but I don't make paintings about that. I don't think that's the role of painting. Mm. I think that's the role of film or radio or the immediacy of that. So I like to make paintings that don't give you everything on the first viewing that give you pleasure over time, like a good relationship. Yeah, I've read that you um, like your paintings to be a conversation, so you want the viewer to interact with your work. Yeah. And so there's a dialogue between your work and people. And your underwater ones are phenomenal. I think I really... I've all, I love that ad that you did, the Bacardi ad oh, that you. you did back in the day. Yeah. And I, I can remember that ad campaign. I come from oh. an advertising background. Oh. So it's um, something that really clicked with me when I saw it in the book. And I can oh. remember Bacardi's profile lifting from yeah. that ad campaign. Yeah. It's very, very clever. I really like the way that you mention in your book that um, you say that you have in your studio a um, painting for me yeah. written up on your wall yeah. and fearless yeah. can you um, tell our listeners a bit about that is that a little personal mantra is that yeah it's a personal thing I mean when you start off like I was showing somebody the other day up in this little bookshelf here there's a there's a yellow covered Van Gogh book it was the first art book that yeah. I ever purchased I was about 10 or 12 I think and I often go back to that book for all kinds of reasons, I think, maybe the painterly quality of his work or the fact that you can do something as as simple as a vase of flowers and it can be unbelievably beautiful. Mm. You don't need the Grand Canyon to make some grand statement. But always, it's half a conversation. It's what you bring to it. 
Yeah. It's what you feel about it. Mm. You, know, you might like ultramarine blue. Yeah, know? I do. Uh, as, as <laughs> you can see in my hair. Yes, by your hair, which is a wonderful colour. It is. But ultramarine blue becomes more blue if you put it beside magenta. So with colour, it's all it's like notes of music. It's how you yeah how you play them. If I'm correct, you likened your use of colour to jazz. Do yes. you have a love of jazz? I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I envy the musician. Yeah, a so lot. do I. And I've got some good musician friends, James Morrison being the major one, I suppose. Well, I, I admire the fact that they can work together. Yeah. Uh, they have a great deal of pleasure when they're performing, playing, when yeah. they're doing it. Whereas for me, and for you, and for you, you're in the studio by yourself most yeah, you of the are. time. You're not looking for somebody else. Well, I'm not looking for somebody else to work with me. And there's no one there apart from me listening to the music. So you go back to the question you asked about painting for me and fearless. I think that is the ongoing thing that painters have to understand. And I like the word painter. I think it's a good word. Yeah. I'm a bit suspicious about the word artist, especially you get some kid coming out of art school saying, well, I, I'm an artist. You, I think the temptation is to say, well, go away and paint 500 paintings and then we'll then have a conversation. Yeah. And I think you can only yourself decide whether you're an artist or not. Uh, and fearless comes from the fact um, at 80 I have nothing to lose. No. So there's nothing that should stop, stop me. Stop yeah. Uh, no, nothing apart from my lack of ability in certain areas. There's nothing that sh should stop me making whatever painting mm. I want to make. Have you always felt like that, though? Have you? Because you no, started. I don't. Th I, don't th I, th I think you actually have to be. I hate to use the word mature. It doesn't seem right for me. But you have to have reached a certain point in your life when you can look back. And of course, when you first start off and people like something you do, the temptation is to do it again. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not. Like. Sidney Nolan, great example of, oh, I'll knock out another couple of Ned Kellys because yeah. people love them. Mm. Yeah. People love them. So it's tempting some, sometimes. And you were kind enough to mention the underwater I like making the paintings, not so much about what it looks like underwater, but what it feels, feels like, like underwater. It's a lot, those paintings have allowed me to go into a much more abstract sense of of colour, and I'm working on two big paintings at the moment. I was in the studio this morning before I came here. Two big paintings, and I think I have to pay respect from the American woman painter Helen Frankenthaler. Yeah. I think that, you know, every now and then, of course, you have to pay respect to Matisse and to Milton Avery and to Bonnard and to Avery. all of those yeah. people who love colours. And then every now and then I was thinking about Helen Frankenthaler and just how fresh and how how how, how lovely her paintings were. Mm. Who knows? Yeah, masters of colour, <coughs> all of them. Absolutely. Yeah. But you're you're in that. I'm in the colouring. You're, you're in, the in that stable yeah. of artists, yeah. Ken. I yeah. hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Because you have a real love of colour. I mean, your paintings yes. are, are singing colour. Yeah. yeah, they're joyous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a painting about my backyard, um, about the bougainvillea and the morning glory and the and the the ginger flowers and the tables and the chair. I mean, nothing in that painting is the way it actually is. It's what it's in my head. Yeah, yes. it's the feeling. And so yeah. you know that the table in reality is a white table, and the chairs I think are blue. Mm. So you're just using colour to to play that particular game. Yeah. I suppose it's like a jazz musician. They maybe don't always know what they're going to paint, That's but exactly they get right. to it, and it's the feeling and what's yeah. next comes that, out of them that, just by playing yeah. it. That's exactly right. Mm. Yeah. And I often think because I like to work fast. So I'm not really consciously thinking about the next colour. I'm just, I'm just, yes. know which mm. one it is. 
And how? And I, to, sorry, how? I think that's this, the way when a musician plays. Yes. If they're playing jazz, it just yeah. It's the relationship between the brain and the the hand uh, playing the instrument. Whereas for me, I think it's the brain and the hand making the mark. Yeah, mm. and it's incredibly exciting painting like that. I think it is. It, it keeps you interested. Forever, yes. like you can never not yes. be interested in that. Yeah, because you're That's not following right. a formula. You're right. painting yeah. from your heart, and your right. your yeah. and so it shows in the work. Yes, I mean I think that even though you know you you, the, I mean there are some people who don't know anything about, or they would say I don't know anything about art, and yet they would respond to color, or they yeah. would respond to pattern. You know, there are certain things. Uh, I, I happened to have lunch with Rick Birch the other day who did the Olympics, uh, and I, I work with him quite extensively on that. And we were talking about the marching bands that he'd brought out from America. So just those rhythms, people respond yeah. respond to that. Mm. Yeah. But there's no rules. I mean, if you wanted to make, let's call them dark paintings... I think the problem is that we are unshockable, that I haven't seen a painting that scares me or shock. I've seen some images. I've seen the child being napalmed in, 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 in Vietnam. I've seen Rodney King being beaten. I've seen George Floyd uh, mm. with a man with his knee in his neck. That's a year Those today. His images death. that are coming into our house, our houses... Uh, on a regular basis, that—that's that, how you shock people. A painting? I don't think so. Mm. Even Picasso's painting of Guernica. I saw it. Didn't frighten me. I've seen Gilbert and George seen their bums. Who cares? I think yeah. they're quite funny. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. No. I quite like a poo painting. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Do you think it's just um, of the time? Like at the time, it shocks people, yes. and and maybe maybe it becomes more personal because there's so many images that we see every day through yeah. you know whatever's bombarded yeah. us. Maybe it only shocks in on a personal level. Sure. Um, maybe not more of a collective. Sure. Maybe. But I rather like paintings that are, are saturated with love mm. and you often find it in art shows at church fates or, you know... Yes. You know, kind yes. of naive paintings that are so beautiful... Yes. There's a lot. I collected. I've still got. I haven't got them here, but I've, I, I once went to the Royal Easter Show probably 40 years ago, and I saw this terrific painting called Grandma's uh, Grandma's Christmas Pudding. I think <laughs> it was like a Grandma Moses painting. So it made it my business to find this woman, yeah. and she lived in the Upper Hunter uh, region with her husband. Now, in the painting, Grandma's Fabulous Christmas Pudding, which I have, every fucking raisin is in the pudding. Oh, my it's God! That, it's that every every pansy in the garden is there. It's awesome. that kind of absolute, total love of what you're looking at and you put it down in the most honest way. Now, sometimes I get just as much pleasure out of that as, you know, seeing something in the Museum of Contemporary Art. Definitely. Yeah, well, I do yeah. too. I like. I really like amateur theatre. Mm. I really enjoy it. I sometimes enjoy it more than professional theatre mm. because it's so honest, honest and raw, yeah. and I like the mistakes. Mm. Yes. And I feel like I'm more like in that mm. field if I was ever going to act. So mm. I feel quite comfortable. Mm. I don't know. It's and it's like the kids' Archibald as well. The yeah. the kids one. Yeah, they're so beautiful because they're so honest yeah. and they really are just painting what they purely love. It's yeah. great. I see a lot of love in your paintings, Ken. Oh, like, true. and you are a big family man, and I yeah. think that comes across in your work. Like, yeah. you're you're honest, and you you're, you love painting your garden sure. and and your home city and sure. everything that you love. You you haven't gone the grand um, themes. You've kept uh, what you really like. Yeah, yeah. So we both grew up in the UK, right? 
Um, we came out in our 20s. We right. don't really have a legacy of you before that. Um, <laughs> you are very well known overseas, um, particularly Japan. But why do you think it's, it's hard or for Australian arts, artists to be recognised internationally? Do you think it is the distance? Well, it's different, isn't it? Like when I first started off, if you're going back, you know, well before you two were born, in the 40s, uh, there were no colour magazines in Australia. Yeah. Mm. The Woman's Weekly was, was the biggest-selling magazine. It was in sepia. Wow. It was only when I went to London and I worked in, in London for, and the you know the Observer and the Sunday Times colour supplements had come out, and suddenly you saw really beautiful colour magazines reaching a very wide audience, not Vogue or Tatler or things like that. They already had their audience, but it reached a wider audience with colour. Um, this is not really an answer to your question, but the int- I think the interesting thing is that you two, as painters, you can find out what's being done by people of your age in Belgium yeah. or in Iceland straight away. Yep. The ability to see what's happening in other parts of the world. Whereas when I was younger... Oh, Fuck, it sounds like an old man. No, you that. don't. It's true. <laughs> when I was younger, you had to wait to find out what was happening in other, in other countries. Mm. Look, maybe it's more like the music business. Uh, you know, you, you, you can make, like you're making your own podcast. You can make your own, you can make your own film. You can make your own music. Nowadays, the, it's the opportunities mm. to reach people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Where there wasn't before, was there? It was kind yeah. of mm. much more limited. Well, like I, Australia was a million miles a away. Million miles it? away. But not, well, it still is because we're not allowed out at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I got, I won't say a lot of criticism, but there were a number of people in the, let's call it the art establishment, which again is an impossibly ridiculous word, Mm. um, that I opened my own gallery. But I always saw opening a gallery just like a chef owning a restaurant. Very simple. It's very simple. Mm. Yeah. The fact that I did it well shouldn't... And you knew that yeah. right from the beginning, didn't you? You yeah, had look, your I had the first show. I wanted show. to have an exhibition in a big commercial gallery. The biggest commercial gallery in Sydney in those days, one called the Holsworth Gallery. A very nice woman ran that. Uh, anyway, she saw my work. She gave me my first exhibition, which I shared with two other painters. One of them was uh, Arthur Boyd's brother. I can't think of his name now. And a, and a guy from Melbourne, very decorative painter from Melbourne. And that was in June, 1940. No, 1980. God, Ken. <laughs> Don't. You're not that old. old. Come on, <laughs> June 1980. In a, by September, I had my own gallery. Yeah. I didn't call it the Ken Doan Gallery. I wasn't confident enough to do that. But you knew in your heart that you wanted to run your own show. Yeah, I didn't want anybody, show. To you didn't want anybody else. And I like your Is analogy. Is that because you were in advertising and you yeah, had you knew. run your own thing before? Well, I knew you, you had to... First of all, you had to reach a wider audience. Yeah. You can't wait till a week before you drop off the twig yeah. and people say, gee, you're really good, sorry, you are now dead. So <laughs> you have to... <laughs> Find a way, and if you look at that drawing up, it's a drawing of a shell. Yeah, There's beautiful. a drawing of a shell. Hard not to like. Yeah. yeah. So I made that drawing, and I made a drawing of a basket of cowries, and I made prints of them. And I went around, and I sold those prints. I, I would sell them to, for $10, and I figured the people could sell them for $20. So... Repeating the singular effort, starting to reach a wider audience. Mm. Then there was a magazine that came out in those days called Billy Blue, which was a design magazine aimed at architects and, and, and artists and designers. They wanted me to do the cover. I said, I'll do the cover, but I'll do it for advertising space. So I'm starting to reach a wider audience. Yeah. And that's why... Uh, people knew much more about my design work than yeah. my, my painting. So do you think you came to your 
So you always painted, didn't you, before yes. you had your first show in the yes. 80s. So you were painting um, <coughs> and happily working in the advertising industry. So what yeah. changed? Did you just say, I'm ready, I want to, I really want to put my painting first? Did you, um, my brother's worked in advertising since he was 21 and he's 50 now and he's sort of getting to that point where he feels like an old man because it's a young man's industry. Yeah. Did you feel like you were done with that world or well, did the, the painting take over? Well, the is I worked in London, Barclay Square for five years. Yeah. I, I worked for J. Willard Thompson. Yes. was the biggest Great agency, agency. Yeah. Uh, in London. I had fantastic accounts, the Bacardi account. Yeah. I convinced them we should shoot it underwater in the Caribbean. I had the Campari account. I worked with Bill Oddie and Tim Brooke Taylor. Awesome. who went on to become the goodies and we won the award for the best cinema commercials in the world, mm. 1969, yeah. at Cannes. Now, that's... Huge. That's huge. Mm. I have to say that twice. Yeah. Cinema commercials in the world. So, advertising, if you have nice accounts, which I... Which yeah, you I, did. I, I, I did have. And so, we were there. For, we were married in England. My parents are English. Um, we were married in uh, Northampton, near, a little town near Kettering. Um I was there for three years and I was getting a bit homesick. I wanted to come back to Australia and they said they would send us around the world for three months if I came back for another 18 months, which I did. Yeah. So after 18 months, and you know, in London in those days, this is the 60s. Yeah, you know, great time. I worked with the Beatles on the White Album. I met Lord Snowden. Oh, you know? so I, I worked cool. with David Bailey. Yeah. I work with Norman Parkinson because if you're Australian, you can't be put into any particular class. Mm. You just have to yeah. be good at what you did and you could find your way into all kinds of situations, maybe you're because of your naivety, I don't mm. know. Anyway, I was good at it. Yeah. So I came back to Australia, worked for J. Walter Thompson here for another five years. So this takes me to the age of 35. Uh, I've told this story before, but I'll just go through it in its simplest terms. So Judy and I, we were in Vanuatu on holidays. And on the Sunday, I was sitting at the beach talking to Peter Brock. He was a racing car driver. Yeah, I know nice Brock. Boy. He's, He's yeah, dead. Yeah. And he was talking to me about how passionate he was about racing car driving. I realised I was good at advertising, but I wasn't passionate about it. Mm. I was passionate about painting. And I knew that if you were going to be a decent painter, you had to give it everything. 100%. Everything. So we flew back to Sydney. I went into the office Monday morning and I resigned. We had a house in Mossman. We had one child. We had a big mortgage. So from 35 to 40, I had to do some freelance work every now and then, to work up towards my first yeah. exhibition. Yeah. Even at that first exhibition, I I already knew that I was going to open my own gallery. I knew I had to work really hard at the painting, but it, something about the timing, because I made 12... This is an old story too. I made 12 T-shirts to give to the press... White T-shirt, drawing of Sydney Harbour. Yeah. Marion von Adelstein, very nice woman, died recently, worked for Vogue. She wrote a very nice thing about them. Said you can hang a don on yourself or a don on the wall. <laughs> There's an integrity to everything you touches, which is very kind of her. People like them. You make some more. And it's a blue drawing on white. Wait a minute. We could make a white drawing on blue. Mm. Suddenly... Wait a minute, we could put it onto a sweatshirt. We could put it onto a perio. We could open a shop where people were down here at the rocks. So that progression led to, it led ultimately to 15 shops, to about 160 employees, to, to licensing arrangement in America and Japan, which is interesting. Mm. But a different vibe to the painting that Look, you perhaps... I went into my eyes open. You'll see I wrote in the book about yeah. I'd get off the plane in America and I'd be working straight away and 
I did lots of things for various cities and we, look, we had stuff in Bloomingdale's, we had stuff yeah, in Neiman Macy's Marcus. And, yeah. It was a fantastic adventure yeah. and it all came down to something you could draw. You mm. could, But it's a piece of design, isn't it? Design. Yeah. And um, so we had a licensing range, went for about seven years. We had one in Japan, went for about seven years. Uh, it's quite simple, license. Yeah. You have to want to do it. Mm. Yeah. You have to trust the people. Yeah. So a few times I was ripped off, but that's... Mm. Hard and parcel, I guess. Of, yeah. do, you, do, you, like, do you feel like an a outsider to the finite world? Do you feel like you need to be in it? Does it matter if you're in or out of it? Like the art establishment, like you say... You know, do you you see? It used to worry me a lot. It doesn't worry me anymore. Yeah, I can <coughs> I can say that. Why Why do you think that? Um, well, I didn't come up the way you're supposed to no. come up. Yeah, well, I th- you came up the clever way. And I suppose you had a lot of confidence in opening your own gallery. People yeah. maybe sort of went, "What? Who's this?" Sure, that's right. Yeah. And the confidence comes because of the response to what you you do. Yes, that's where the conf- but it doesn't say I didn't make some mistakes. I made some, but not too many, because you can work out very quickly whether something that you are making, and a lot of times that's Judy's work and Camilla's yes. work. Right? Yeah, we had a great chat with Judy at your book mm. launch, um, yeah. Amber's book launch at yeah, your yeah. show at Michael Reed yeah. about um, her input into yeah. the business. And so that was all the fashion part of it, and it's because. I'm very good at delegating, which means there are a lot of things I don't want to do, and so I would have somebody else do it. Yep. Okay, uh, open a shop there. Do do that. <laughs> Call me when you've done it. So it's a bit of that, mm. yeah. which has got something to do with my lack of ability in certain areas. I can't spell, I can't add up, anything like that. But you're going to have some kind of overview of what you think you should be doing. And if you want to make something, you have to treat people well. You have to not rip anybody else Mm. off. You have to make nice things. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, look, it's been an amazing journey, I have to say. And so many people have been, not just you, but so many people have been interviewing me over these last year or so, which I think has got something to do with time. Mm. Mm. Like, before you came here, when did you come here? Oh, uh, 20 years ago. 25 years ago, yeah. 25 years ago, like 90s. So 90s, yeah. So if you go back to the 80s, yeah. when I suddenly burst on the scene and anything that was colour, people say, Ken Doan. Is Ken Doan. Yeah. And people are saying, Ken Doan, he's taken the beige out of Australia. Flattering, but not true. Um, and you, a lot of people knock you off and... Because we had licensing arrangements then, you start to see the stuff in lots of yeah. places. And people love it. People just love it. Oh, so many people, when we've said that yeah. we're going to interview you, are going, oh, can you tell Ken I've still got my duvet yes. and I love Absolutely. it? Absolutely. My husband said to, to say, say hi to Ken. He never even notices who I'm going to interview. And he's yeah. like, say hi to Ken. Yeah, you're very well. You're, you're very loved. And I think that is Marvellous. Well, I do too. But, of course, there's a downside of that because during that time when everybody loves it, mm. it's like a big circle. Yeah, of course. Gets up to there and then people say, um, I don't love it so much anymore. But do you really yeah. care? I think well, I you've got care, that kind of character that you're... Of it, you know? Yeah. But I think anyone's career, it sort of waxes and wanes, doesn't yeah. it? And if it was always high, yeah. there'd probably yeah. be a bit of a pro- an issue Well, and there's on. the tall poppy syndrome that's here yeah, and in Britain. You know, yeah. people... The, the British press are famous for it. They love yeah. to bring you up yeah. to knock you yeah. down. So we're on the bo- we we are past the bottom of that circle. <laughs> yeah, and we have been discovered by a new younger generation, yes. which I'll put you two into. Thanks. Oh, and it's nice to are, be called young. <laughs> we are getting incredible response. Yes, from and especially for a generation even younger than you. Yes, 
that have no under, no connection, no yeah. connection with the yes. with the past, but just. And I think there's a risk that, that the eighties and nineties revival of fashion, I think, is quite prevalent at the moment, yes. which is fabulous for that connection with mm. your with your clothing. Um, so your your business skills of you and your lovely wife Judy are obviously amazing. Like, do you think um, emerging artists these days? I mean, and maybe lacking in, we don't know because we haven't been educated in art over here, but is there a bit of a lack of the business, business. side of being an artist? Yeah. Because you seem to be on, have been on the front foot of that forever. Like, I think there is. I think that it's a danger that the younger artist wants to um, surround himself or herself with that kind of mystical aura that they think artists should have, whether they're smoking dope or getting drunk all the time. They want to be outside of yeah. society. Well, Bohemian. You have to be inside society. Mm. You have to be business-like. Yes. And so I've had lots of, you know, if I'm talking to young people or something, I would say, look, do an ad for your local dry cleaner. Do, go to the coffee shop and say, if you, you if you let me hang your, my paintings on your wall, even for a couple of weeks, I'll do this, I'll do that. In yeah. other words, you have to... Promote yourself. You have to promote... I think you have to I promote do yourself. If you simply wait, unless you're independently wealthy... If you simply wait for some kind of government grant, I think it's a waste of time. Yep. You've got to make it yourself. Definitely. And, Get out there. And I, I would always suggest that uh, younger, paint, younger artists would make prints of their work so that they can make it accessible. Someone will pay... Twenty dollars or even two hundred dollars for an early print. They won't pay twenty grand for a f- your first painting. Yeah. Even mm. though you might think it's worth twenty grand, they're not going to pay no. it off. But yeah. if you take one of the greatest buddy marketers of all time, David Hockney, you know oh, he doesn't hero. waste a mark. Yes. More books and this. Mm. He's very clever. Yes. He's very, very mm, yes. clever. Yes. And yes, he is doing what he wants for himself. I was very interested the other day, I was looking at a Tattle magazine and uh, they put together a whole lot of artists in one particular photo and then a little bit at the end and they said we invited uh, David Hockney but he chose not to come <laughs> because he's in France and he wants to look at spring. Yes. Well, that's a very good reason not to come. <laughs> I'm looking at the bloody blossoms on spring. <laughs> Smoking his head off. He's I loving know, it. I love it. Yeah. But a lot, and also, you know, Matisse, a great... It's not necessary to be a an addicted drug addict to be a painter. Yes. The Painters romantic, should yeah. make at least as much money as plumbers. Yeah. As a basic. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> God, so these days the that would be good on a, That would be good on a T-shirt, Ken. <laughs> yeah, print that. <laughs> we'll put Ken down underneath. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So, how do you go uh, go about starting a picture, Ken? Can we ask a few questions about how you sure. approach your paintings? Sure. Could I have a glass to, of water? Of course, you can. Absolutely. My, I can get my people to do. <laughs> no, no, it. We, I have people. We do have people. I love that. I'm the people. Okay. We, we're the people today. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> All right, I'll give you an yeah, example, just an example of, of what I'm working on at the moment. Thanks. Yes. Uh, often when I'm sitting watching television, I will be making some little drawings. Yes. Not really serious ones, but like little clues. And so in a magazine the other day, I made four little drawings. They, they are for fairly straightforward paintings. Two of them deal with the view at Chinaman's Beach and one deals with the view at Balmoral. And I know, I think, and the other one's a beach painting. Only like that big. Like little, little thumbnails. Little thumbnails. Yeah. So I went down to the studio. I've, I, I've got a half a dozen uh, uh, canvases down there, the 80 by 100. 
I thought, right, I'm going to work on those four paintings. I often like to work on a number of things at once. Yeah. So I put down the background, big, simple, and then I thought, no, what am I doing this for? I can do this. Why am I, why am I doing this? I know the outcome of the painting. Oh. I know what I want it to look like. Okay. So that's not a, that's not a challenge. Yeah. That's only like a lady making a chocolate cake. She knows what it's yeah. going to be. So like. You don't want to follow a recipe. I don't want to no. follow a recipe. So I abandoned them. Now, I happen to have two bigger canvases down there, maybe almost two and a half metres by one and a half metres, big, mm. big, bigger than that. Yeah. And I went up to the art shop to buy some art materials the other day, and I've said this before, success for me, I don't own a bait or a plane or anything else, success for me is to go to the art supply shop and buy whatever I want. Oh, yes. I want. That is... So <laughs> I walked into Parker's and oh. I saw some some big... Um, I haven't got much art materials in this room, but a couple of big tubs of yellow oh. and it, they were on sale. So I picked those up. I said, I have that. Then I went up to get some other paints... And then I looked at this one that was for sale and it said, it was 50 bucks, and it said reduced from $190. Fuck me, $190. For one cheap paint? <laughs> no, for one, one jar. And so I said to the, I went, the, I said, what's the $190? He said, it's Aurelian yellow, it's a very expensive pigment and it's no, normally $190 and we reduced it to... Because no one would buy it. I had to buy both of them. And so yesterday, or maybe the day before, I got some really big brushes and I covered, mostly I covered uh, these two big canvases with a really yellow. yellow. So I already know that the painting will be called Playing on an Aurelian Yellow Coral Head. And one of them I've almost finished... The other one, not. And I don't know where they're going. And that's the exciting thing. Yeah, mm, that's I, great I've to hear. I've got them under control at the moment. They're very sophisticated marks. Yeah. They are related to being under the water, but they are not f- mm, no. a photo. I don't know what's here. There's, they're, not, uh, they're not literally being under the water. They're a game with colour. Yes, yeah. yes. So you're letting the painting tell uh, you what, yeah, where I'm to go. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. And because I can afford to do that yeah. now, it doesn't matter if it you. It doesn't matter. So that what well, it comes back to the word fearless, written, written on the back of the, the, door. the door. Yeah. To to enjoy that. Yeah, and that's the buzz of painting. I I feel. It yeah. Is. For me, it's that it is the it biggest is. buzz in the world mm. when you are in the zone or the flow or whatever you want to yeah, call it, yeah. and you feel that it is, it's better mm. than anything. It's better yeah. than drugs. It's better yeah. than And it's amazing anything. what comes out. I think, you know, even like doing those thumbnails, you didn't follow that, but somewhere, you know, something would come out eventually Absolutely. that you've, you know, it's all you've, about recording it and then filing it away and then it sort of comes, comes out yeah. That's when exactly you don't even know. Like, yeah. You can't see what... Yeah. There's you, there's in the gallery um, as we walked in. There was two big, beautiful underwater paintings. I, yeah. I think those ones really captured. We live on the pit water and sure. you know in the northern beaches, yeah. and we spend a lot of time in or by the sea. Yeah. And the, I, I really adore. I need, I love your iconic paintings, um, and especially when we we grew up on the other side of the world. So, yeah, um, you know, when we came here, you know the which is one of the first things you do, is you go to see the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge. But Mm. I think I feel that I connect more with your underwater paintings. thank you. I find them beautiful. Well, I hope so. I think in the long run, I hope that's the thing that I'm remembered most for, uh, those paintings that are inspired by the feeling of, not literally, but inspired by that and then becoming more abstract and more... Yeah, and it's wonderful to hear that you're still chasing that, um, that as a painter, it's the... And what is it about paint? Is it... Do you have a connection with um, the actual material, like moving that around, or do you still get a buzz off drawing the same way as... Uh, 
What are you chasing? Well, that's a good question. Um, that's a very good question. What am I chasing? <sighs> Apart from being younger and taller and slimmer. <laughs> Owning, owning Ken, a lot of supply if, shop. If we, if we look as good as you, mate, we'll be on to a winner, honestly. Uh, I do like paint. Yeah. And uh, I'm using increasingly uh, water-based oil. I know it's a bit of a strange way of describing it, but it's... No, but it mm. cleans up better, doesn't it? But you're only using water. Yeah. yeah. So there's no chemicals. No, it doesn't smell as much, does yeah. it? Uh, but what am I... I think that what I'm, I'm, I need to surprise myself. Yeah. I need to have finished a painting. See, the sequence is I'm working downstairs in the studio. When I think it's finished, I come upstairs and put it into the house, usually where I'm uh, watching television. It's yeah, on that wall. Okay. Mm. And I'm watching television there. So on a Saturday night, I've been watching Midsummer Nights, Midsummer's, but I've fallen asleep. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Because the music puts me straight yeah. to sleep. So I wake up and I said, "She's over in the other line." Oh, who did it? She doesn't know. She's it's the same person every time. Too. She's been asleep. She's too. nodded off as well. And then I'll see something in that painting that's not right. Yeah. Yes. And I need to take it back down. And, and do work you do it straight it. away? Yeah. Oh. And. It's impossible to say how you decided that because it's not a literal painting. It's only no. mucking around yeah. and yet there's something in it that you'd, you felt. So I, to try to get back to early questions, I like to surprise myself and I like to make paintings that I want to continue to look at. Yes, well, yeah. you want that conversation, don't yeah, you? So you, right. maybe it's a case of you don't want everything to be said and that you that you see something in there. Maybe you've said too much and you need to take some out. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't know. But even a picture like this that's been on that easel for a while, I still get pleasure out of that picture mm. and parts of that picture. But or that little picture up there... In the middle, yes. Um, that's downstairs in the cabin. Well, the, all the walls are white. The, the, I mean, none of those colours are, are anywhere near what the what that room is actually mm. about. It, they're all white walls with some beach hats hanging on the wall, which is not. You know, but you're making the picture. You're in charge yeah. of the picture. Yeah. You're not making a representation of yeah. the room. You're making a yeah. picture. But is, is it like, like you know, how do you know a, a picture's finished? Like it, like you say, you look at it in the peripheral vision and you see something that's not right, and it's it's almost like a feeling. It doesn't sit well. It's like when you see someone's outfit and you go, yeah. "Oh, doesn't yeah. quite doesn't something doesn't quite. just sit well with it." Yeah. It's yeah. Just, yeah. Something else I read in Amber's fabulous book. It's such a great book. Good book. You, yeah. you must be so pleased with I that know. book. I think it's a real triumph. Yeah. So you talk about um, that you can know if anything you have done is good or not. And I was just wondering what questions that we can ask ourselves as artists. Because I find, like Julie and I, we've got this great um, relationship now, business relationship, work relationship, and we're great support to each other because it is lonely yeah. being a artist yeah. and to be able to ask each other just ask questions if it's shit or if it's, not. is this shit you know yeah. <laughs> quite simply and we're very honest with each other yeah. and it's just one person's opinion yeah. but um how you know what questions can we ask ourselves as emerging artists to get better well i suppose it depends on the track that you want to go up yeah if you want to paint like dutch still lifes then no. I know you don't, no. <laughs> but then you should be immersing yourself in what it takes to do uh, the reflection on a bit of glass or the sure. uh, that. If you are looking at how you might use colour in the landscape, mm. you should be looking at Milton Avery, the American painter, uh, especially the sea pictures. 
It shows you, I think, how, again, you can change the colour of something to simply make it work as a painting. In other words, you can't be everything to all artists. So no. You can only choose the track mm. that you feel as something mm. and continue to look and even copy mm. somebody mm. who's been up that track mm. until you've gone through that. Understood it, yeah. Gone through that and found your next piece. Okay. I mean, when I first started off, I was a great fan of David Hockney. Obviously, you can't not be. And all of those. Well, He's on my book. He's we, my hero. We both love the Hockney. Well, we love Hockney so yeah. much. Have you met him? I haven't. Let's I organise I it, Ken. <laughs> I know. You, well, I reckon you'll be able to meet him. I did him. the art car well before he did an art I know. Car. But you're, you'd be able to meet him, I'm sure. I'll carry your bag for you, Ken. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a great fan. I've seen him. Yes. When we lived in London, uh, we used to go occasionally, not that we follow polo, but you could go to Windsor Great Park yes. to yeah. watch the polo. And uh, we went out there and uh, he was standing, I don't know, 20 feet away with his then boyfriend, American boy, who had fantastic green snakeskin boots. Love it. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's not my track to go, but they looked very happy. Yes, and good on him. he was a good-looking boy. Yeah, he's uh, a great artist. He yeah, really he's is. A great, he is a great artist and yeah. he's a great uh, theorist too. Yes, yes, he uh, is. And, and, he, and he, I think he surprises himself like you, like mm. he's constantly trying to surprise himself and use the iPad and just yeah. go down, reinventing himself, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. No, don't, don't resting, not resting on your laurels, I think is a very important mm. part of being an artist. And staying in Normandy to watch the spring. I know, what a legend. Good. Yeah, I know. Good. Who's doing that? It's brilliant. I love it. Apart from my mum. Yeah. She, she watches the spring. Um, so how do you think your painting from your first exhibition has changed um, till now? You, I think you're getting more abstract. Do you yes, think? yes, getting much more abstract. Paintings from the first exhibition, they're in the book. I mean, yeah. there's the, that painting I bought back for 30 grand. Uh, view of the yes. camp. Yes, you start I love that painting, though, Ken. I love that painting. It well, really is awesome. I, I, I like it too. I don't know where it is, but um, I do know where it is. It's at the warehouse. Yeah. But yes, a painting like that is when you are looking at something and you want to record it. You can both do that. Yeah. Whether it's your kitchen table or the view out the window. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. No. And a lot of people. Uh, in that northern beach, they're going to love a picture of Whale Beach, or yeah. they're going to love a picture of Palm Beach. I, you know, that's that's what I'd be doing. Mm. I'd be making if you had an exhibition. Let's say you had an exhibition with Michael Reed or you had a, I would make fifty a fifty percent literal views that people can say, oh, that looks like Bung and Head or that mm. looks like Palm Beach. Or that. You, need to, you need to make some money. You need to sell some pictures. <laughs> and then you could do some other versions of, of a looser version of that same okay. view. So you think you can have not almost like two styles running? Well, you can have... One, your... Bread and butter. Yeah, one's your bread and butter and one's your, you know, you can stretch yourself a little bit. A bit like you're ready to wear and your couture. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I haven't that's, got either. That's right. <laughs> but I think, so. I, I worked in fashion in um, in London as well, so yeah. I I used to love that side of things. And I think, yeah, with the fashion show, I always used to love the way they'd end... Um, with some ridiculous outfit, and yeah. I kind of like that. Those are the paintings I want to make. Yeah, but you know, you've got to also make yeah. the yeah. Um, the the jeans and the t-shirts. Yeah. So I don't see that as a compromise. No, I, mean, I just I think see you're right. that as an intelligent way yeah. of keeping you both yeah. painting. And, or prints could be an option. And, with that. Yeah. and prints. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to have the work out there, you know. Well, Think this of is all it. those bloody coffee shops in Newport or or uh, Avalon, a place like that. Go to them. 
That's right. Yeah, I think yeah, that's right. You just got to put yourself out there and and, yeah. and do it. Definitely, people do it. Gonna, don't don't pe- talk about pe- doing people it. People are not going to come. People are not going to come no. to you. No, exactly. Um, so, how often do you paint? Like, do you have a routine, um, or you just whenever you can? I, I do have a bit of a routine. I go to the studio every morning before I do anything else, and I went there this morning, and then I go and have a swim. But I didn't this morning because I got a very bad cold. But normally I would go to the studio and I would work after breakfast from maybe 8.30 till lunchtime and then I'll have a sleep and then I could work again later in the afternoon. Not every day. No. Not every day, just when, when you day. feel yeah. like you want to. What when do you do to procrastinate? Like, what do you do when you're not... Like, what do you do... Like, some people clean their studios when they're thinking or walking or... Uh, I'm not so much on the cleaning the studio, but yeah, every <laughs> now and... No, but, yeah, every now and then organising the... Pushing the brushes around mm-hmm. or cleaning the brushes or... Yeah. Or just thinking about it or listening to music. I like a uh, bit of a sweep. I find a, a sweep, sweep can gets me in sort of in the mode. Bit zen, you know. Sweep the floor. Then yeah, there's a lot of mess on my floor. Though I bet you're. Are you quite tidy? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> not Francis Bacon messy though. <laughs> I'm not that much. No. I'm not that. I'm not that messy. No. Um, ordered chaos. Or, yeah. Ordered chaos. Yeah. I know where everything is. Yeah. That sounds like my dad with his yeah. garage. I know, <laughs> I know where everything is. Uh, I'm in the fortunate position I can, you know, have him send me a dozen canvases. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there's plenty of work. Look at that. I know. That's what, what we said when we I came said, in, I said, Ken. Jesus, you've got so much work, this. Ken. Why, why aren't all of these paintings sold? I know. Come and tell the girls to get on get with it. Get on with it. They will, Ken. Don't you <laughs> well, worry. don't you worry. When this podcast goes no, out, no, Ken. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've kept you we've long kept enough. We've kept you long enough. <laughs> well, Ken, thank, thank you, thank you. So much. It's been it's wonderful been to meet you. Thank really you so has. much. Thank and thank you for coming with a bad cold. Yeah, you legend. feel better. I'm very happy to have done it. Thank you. you, Ken. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you. That was very that kind was awesome. of you. Thank you. I feel like I've learnt a lot, and we are going to meet David Hockney. We are. I'm, leave it. With Please don't forget to rate and review and share this podcast. It helps my mum and her friend Fiona get more listeners. Thank you.